0: The view of Amnesty International is that the, the suspension of the commissioner is a uh, positive uh, but long overdue step and it will certainly give some hope to families of the victims of the Marikana shootings uh, in the sense that they will start to think that uh, finally justice can be seen to be done.
1: Now the EFF has also welcomed the suspension of the National Police Commissioner but they have cautioned that she should not be used as a scapegoat. What do you make of that statement?
0: Well, I think I wouldn't like to uh, venture into commenting on what the EFF said, but I can only say that, you know, on the 14th of August uh, this year, we issued a statement as Amnesty International saying all those that uh, were implicated by the Falam Commission findings as having played a role either on the unlawful decision-making process that went on the night before or in the subsequent cover-up and evasive evidence and fabrication and falsification of evidence before the commission, I think that they uh, should all face an inquiry process so that accountability is properly established. Mm. I don't think that the commissioner will be the only one.
1: Because the commissioner was only two months in the post when 34 people died in the Marikana incident, and, and it seems like this uh, that she's been isolated uh, and be made a scapegoat. But the question that other people are asking is, what about all the, all the other high-profile people, the politicians, the policemen who pulled the trigger, should they also be in the same boat?
0: I think that these, uh, from our from our standpoint as Amnesty International, there are many things that have become uh, very clear after the Fallam Commission report went out. First is uh, the whole obligation of South Africa under international law on the protection of right to life, the execution of policing services and functions in crowd control, and the importance of uh, the use of force or lack like thereof in managing crowd controls and what happens after. You recall that it was not one place where the shooting took place. It was two places, what was called scene one and what was called scene two. And the decision-making, uh, for example, that was made on the 15th of August 2012 uh, on that meeting, that fateful night, to escalate into a tactical phase and then execute Uh, The use of force the following day was unrelated to the right to life or protection of the right to life or any threat uh, to the right to life uh, as posed by prostrating minors. So I think in looking at accountability and responsibility, you have to be as specific as that. The actual shooting uh, that took place, you are looking at uh, uh, 327 live ammunition rounds uh, at scene one. And you are also looking at uh, almost close to that at scene two, uh, and these are uh, ammunition R5 rifles which can be on automatic form. These, these are things that are very uh, fatal uh, if uh, used on the skin and the injury is caused. So if you look at the reaction the shooting, all those things that are related to decision making are critical to determining accountability and responsibility. Then at the commission you will know and uh, you probably were following that there was a lot of testimony that the commission itself said was thoroughly evasive and there was an attempt to delay to fabricate and so on. So when you are looking at accountability to ensure that things don't happen again, you revisit all those moments at which uh, reason could have prevailed, uh, the law could have been respected, so and w- then start to establish accountability.
1: So, when we speak about responsibility and accountability, who should ultimately be held accountable, and where does the buck stop in this matter?
0: Obviously, uh, uh, the, the this is a this is a key question of leadership. At the end of the day the national authorities in any country, the president in particular, has to decide what needs to happen. And so if you look at what has been happening, at first the president appoints a commission in terms of uh, the powers vested in him by the law. The commission runs through a very lengthy process, difficult process, and starts to make findings. And the commission makes recommendations. So I think at the very least you want the president to act on those recommendations. And I think what we are starting to see now is a positive step in implementing a key recommendation of the Falam Commission. There are many other recommendations that would then have to be made. I think that if all the recommendations are made, including uh, as the fitness to hold office inquiry takes place, you get the necessary levels of support from witnesses, then a lot more information can surface, and I think the President will also have to act on that. I think this is the direction of travel that, at least in the immediate term, one could see.
1: Now, as Amnesty International, how would you like the Marikana incident to be resolved?
0: Thank you. That's a, that's a difficult question. Uh, but at the very at the very beginning, we we as an organisation that uh, uh, is concerned at all times with human rights obligations of the state, uh, the protection of human rights for ordinary people, and the redress mechanisms whenever violations take place. Our our consideration and our advocacy would be first and foremost on uh, accountability, as I've already established, that it's important that when something of this tragic consequence happens, that those responsible are held to account as a beginning step. The second issue is that we need to have justice which is victim-focused. You will know that uh, not only 34 minors died, but before those 34, there were nine others who had died before the 16th of August. Mm -hmm. And those deaths, which are now being established as a clear, um, uh, the causal factor being a reckless disregard for life as a result of executing uh, what looks like very military approaches to a policing function, requires that victims themselves be compensated that victims themselves feel that the losses that they've had psychologically, economically, socially are restored. So I think a compensation framework is important for government to deal with so that uh, you can really deal with the problems that victims are now facing. Mm -hmm. The third is a much more long-term focus on retraining, reskilling, and ensuring that uh, the police, as they execute their roles, are fully trained, fully equipped, but also appreciate the obligations of the police under human rights law in terms of domestic constitution, but also international law. Uh, the disregard of international law and right to life and the protection of life that we saw during Marikana reflects not just a reckless strategy, but also a complete lack of awareness of the obligations of police when holding live ammunition. So we need to see uh, those processes happening, and I think the Minister of Police has started a process in which we will be seeing the re-equipping, re-skilling of police officers. And this is where international groups can be helpful, including Amnesty International, in participating in programs to combat the sort of excessive use of arbitrary powers by the police. But also much more uh, wide, I think, forms in the police. There are a lot of cases of police brutality uh, that have been going on long before Marikana, and that kind, I think, needs to be rooted out so that you have a force that is able to Uh, Fight crime, but also respect rights.
1: And finally, Mr. Muchena, what are some of the lessons that we should take and learn from this particular tragedy?
0: A number of lessons uh, uh, that that come to mind. The first one, obviously, is that uh, South Africa is a rights-respecting society with a democratic constitution and its obligations under international law and it's important for south africans to know that for the government to know that for the police and policing leadership to know that that the Marikana uh, massacres are being viewed internationally as a failing moment for south africa and south africa cannot repeat this again so second is that having acknowledged this steps need to be taken to ensure that there will be no recurrence of such a tragedy again and that step includes full accountability across various levels of people implicated and structures implicated in the Fulham Commission findings. And the final one is uh, leadership that is going to restore the confidence of the public in the police. Uh, No scapegoating, but really ensuring that an equitable distribution of justice and accountability is done, because what that does is that it gives confidence in the process of the president, whenever there is a problem in the country, that there will be a fair and equitable execution of the restorative addresses uh, that uh, justice requires in this country. So I think those would be three important lessons that I would uh, identify at this present moment, but there are many others that we would need time to go through one by one.